Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. Three guys, three decades, three perspectives. Me and my cousins. It's a podcast. Morgan Coffee Co. is a small batch coffee company out of Point Pleasant, New Jersey. They feature unique blends inspired by the Jersey Shore, and every month they feature a new single-origin coffee from around the world and their new Flavor of the Month Club. Bean Mug and Coffee Co. is giving our listeners 10% off all coffee and their recently released K-Cups. Visit Bean Mug and Coffee Co. and enter Cousins10 at checkout. Bean Mug and Coffee Co., the roast from the coast. It's time for another Boktober interview segment on the Me and My Cousins podcast. Had to leave Mike and Kenny out of this one because uh, they're at nearly the level of sneakerhead and definitely not nearly the level of Reebok fan that I am. Uh, Boktober 2020 brought you an interview with DJ Senator, uh, one of, if not the biggest collectors of Reebok pumps on the planet. And this year we're bringing you somebody else, another person that's huge in the Instagram and social media Reebok world and the sneaker world in general. I want to meet my cousins listeners to welcome on Instagram, Jake Montana, and also on Instagram, Team Reebok 1895. Jake, how you doing tonight, man? I'm good, brother. I'm happy to be here. Happy October. Yeah, man, we try to bring sneaker people on the Me and My Cousins podcast every so often, but every October we try to bring a Reebok person. So somebody who's either affiliated with the brand, worked for the brand, or just big on social media with the brand. I am super happy you got to do it with us this year, and I'm super happy you made time for us. So real quick, man, you got a ton of Instagram followers. A lot of people know your pictures, know your collection, probably don't know as much about you, the person. So what's your personal history, and how do you get into sneakers in the first place? Um, I will say that you know, growing up in the 80s, um, you know, I was always into sneakers. It was it was pretty tough as a kid coming up through like the late 80s, early 90s to not be entirely inundated with sneakers. I would say that's probably, if if not definitely, the, the golden age of of sneakers across the board for the majority of brands, if if not all brands. And so you know, I, I, I've always been obs- obsessed with sneakers, always wanted to have the flyest sneakers for school. And, and that just kind of continued into an adulthood. And, you know, like most of the stories you hear from adult sneakerheads, you know, like all of the sneakers they wanted as a kid and their parents couldn't afford them and they couldn't have them. You know, once they came of age, started making their own money, they just went completely bananas and kind of relived all their childhood dreams vicariously through through sneakers so yeah man I've, I've always been into it it's always been a part of my life and um yeah i mean that would be the crux that would be like the foundation of my love for sneakers awesome man give us the pair that made you a sneakerhead and now what's the reebok one that made you a reebok fan do you remember so you, all right those are two those are two absolutely very separate stories but I would say, and it's a funny story, that um, I think it was, I want to say, the Christmas of 1989. And at the time, it was probably either like the Jordan 3s or the Jordan 4s off the top. I can't remember. Can't line it up with the year. But that Christmas, I begged my parents for a pair of Air Jordans. Absolutely begged them. It was the only thing I wanted under the tree. And, you know, I mean, obviously, back then, $100 for a pair of sneakers was probably like astronomically crazy for my parents but you know i begged them right and 
So Christmas came, Santa came, I'm opening presents. I see a box that might look like sneakers and I opened it and, you know, I saw the Nike box. I'm like, oh my God, this is the moment. I opened it. It was a pair of freaking David Robinsons, man. They completely cheaped out on me and probably got got some clearance there. I mean, in hindsight, they're the, like the, the Nike pumps, like the, the Nike version of the pump that I forgot the, the name of them now, but that David Robinson wore and they're fly. I mean, they're a completely fly sneaker, but in the moment, absolutely so disappointed. But I would say that like, that was the moment that I really became pretty obsessed with sneakers on a high level. Um, even though, you know, it, it wasn't Reeboks and it wasn't the Jordans that I wanted. That was like really what started it at the core for me back then. Um, yeah, man, for me, when I was a real little kid, I wanted the low top black and red suede Puma Clydes. And they don't, I, they started making them in size one and I wasn't big enough yet. So that was like my first experience of like wanting a sneaker I couldn't have. And I was super young then in the mid eighties. And then eventually when it got to be a size one, my mom and dad took care of me and got them as soon as I could wear them. But then the sneaker that made me a full out sneakerhead was a Twilight Zone pump. The first one did in kid sizes. Uh, when yeah. I was 13, I got him for my birthday. It was my big birthday gift that year. And I remember my birthday was late July. I didn't wear it until the first day of school in early September. And like all summer, I was like checking out the box, couldn't wait to wear them. And I, I still have that pair now. They're a size five, I think. So obviously there's no way I can wear oh, them anymore. But uh, it's weird that like I got, I'm, I think I'm one of the few people that got into sneaker collecting really because of that pump instead of like Jordans or Air Force Ones or something like that. That's why I've always had like a little soft spot heart for Reebok and follow accounts like yours online. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. I, I mean, I wish I could, I wish I had a different story for how like my obsession with Reebok started like in its form currently. I will say that in terms of, you know, the shoe that really, I think changed everything for Reebok and, and it's certainly for me in my neighborhood and in my experience really put Reebok on the map when I was a child was was absolutely the Omnizone and D Brown in the slam dunk contest moment when he leaned down and pumped them up and I did the no look dunk. I mean, absolutely iconic moment sports wide, but I think for Reebok in the eighties for kids who really wanted to have the fly sneaker, that was like the moment for Reebok and absolutely what blew the the pump wide open and that would for sure be like my shoe in terms of the Reebok world that I was like wow what is going on here you can pump these shoes up and it makes you jump higher that is crazy I need to have yeah it was crazy about that moment too man it was such it's if someone does something crazy in dunk contest in 2021 we got YouTube we got Instagram it's harder not to see it than to see it and where we live in today right and I believe that was 1990, maybe 91. Um, yep. There is no internet. There's nothing close to YouTube. So it's like you saw it in person if you're watching Slam Dunk Contest or your friends told you about it, which is iconic yeah. moment that everybody kind of remembers. But if you think about what that meant, it meant either you were happening to be watching the All-Star Slam Dunk Contest or you just heard about it and it still made that big of a splash where now, you know, everybody debuts a pair of sneakers on All-Star Weekend and they're ever on the internet. D Brown and Reebok did that with no internet, which I think a lot of people forget about. I, I think that, that that's absolutely uh, an incredible point to me. But I also, with that being said, think like that's why moments back then, that's why sneakers back then, that's why like 
certain things that happened around the world, I think were more special. I think it was just more special because you either had to be there, you had to watch it, or you had to hear about it on the back end, whether it was the newspaper or ESPN, if you even had cable, or from a friend, right? And it kind of created more of a mystique. It kind of like word of mouth even made the moment bigger and crazier than it was because if you weren't there, you didn't get to see it, right? It's like... You know, yeah. the Babe Ruth, it's like the Babe Ruth home runs back in the day that went out of the stadium into like the parking lot across the street. Did that really happen? I don't know. But, you know, from word of mouth, it just gets crazier and crazier as it goes. So, yeah, I mean, that was what did it for me, for sure, at least back in childhood. Yeah, man, game-changing moment for sneakers, game-changing moment for Reebok, and to an extent, game-changing moment for basketball, too, as far as linking the marketing of sneakers with the All-Star Weekend events. Uh, real quick, did you get the, the retro release, D-Browns, that came out the last couple of months? Absolutely, yeah. I got them all three, in, like, All three colors? All three colors. Nice. Um, I, I, was, I was thinking about getting the black ones, but I'm, I'm at the point now where I have, I have a daughter, I have so many pairs of sneakers, I just decided to skip those uh, that night. But uh, I don't know, if they put them out again, I'll probably think about it. So we're, you're, you're pretty well-known on Instagram. Obviously, we're talking tens of thousands of followers. When do you jump on Instagram, and what are your goals with your accounts? You know, when I first started Team Reebok 1895, and, you know, of course, there's it's a pretty crazy story behind that. But, you know, when I first started it, it was really a matter of, of putting out as much content as possible. And I think in the early stages, I was doing at least three posts a day, right? But this is this, this is before stories. This is before slideshows. This is like in the infancy of Instagram. This is before Facebook owned Instagram, right? So like I was doing three just solid static posts a day, really little to no video content and just trying to output as much content as I could, whether it was original content or just, you know, reposting content or pictures that I found elsewhere. I think as time has gone on and how like algorithms have changed and Instagram has blown up to a point where, you know, people really don't want to have their feeds clogged up or inundated with like various posts from the same account in one day. So these days I've become a lot more calculated with what I post. And instead of just like throwing everything that Reebok is coming out with onto our feed, I really try to be a little bit more um, calculated with like, what is my followers going to really enjoy? What do I think is dope? First of all, if I don't think it's dope, I'm not going to post it. But not only that, like, what do I think is going to get the most burn for the page and, and, activity for the following and so it's become uh, like i said a, a lot more targeted a lot more calculated now but back then I'm, I'm telling you it just used to be anything that Reebok is doing i'm gonna post it right and one, one thing i appreciate about your account and pretty much all the Reebok dedicated accounts on ig are that it, it's not like a, when say jordan's or yeezys or, or dunks where they're on when they announce a new sneaker it's on seven accounts in the first hour where Reebok flies a little below that radar of kind of the hype beast kids. And there's only a couple accounts that cover it the way you do. So kind of look forward to posting those accounts, the way those other kind of shoes, not no disrespect at all to those lines of sneakers. I just, you don't get as excited because you're just inundated with constant 
release right. dates and colorways and and for whatever reason Reebok doesn't get that that same kind of burn on Instagram which I think makes what you're doing even a little more special than that the other thing with my post and I see if you agree with me on this I try not to post just sneakers I try to post myself doing stuff in cool sneakers um yeah. for example I do, I do stand-up comedy and I always try to work with the best sneakers on stage and I post that and then tag the sneakers and tag the sneaker accounts that way um only because I feel like there's enough people posting just sneakers and boxes, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to do something a little bit different. You know, I, I really appreciate that. And it's funny that you say that because, you know, really when, when Team Reebok started taking off, and, and again, there's an in-depth story behind like how this started and how we got to where we're at now. But, you know, I really was very focused on not just, or at least trying not to just post sneakers and trying to post folks hanging out in their sneakers, doing lifestyle type things, trying our best to put faces in the pictures. Like from a social media perspective, typically like if you do the research and and you study the demographics and all the numbers, you know, people like seeing other people. There's something to be said for that. You know, like you're just seeing a pair of sneakers on someone's feet, like, oh, great, cool sneakers. But it really resonates a lot more when you see like that actual person, their face doing an activity, hanging out, doing something fun on vacation, whatever they're doing, playing sports. And that was a huge focus for us a long time for the first couple of years and really helped drive the following to where it's at now. And unfortunately, like we've we've kind of fallen back from that as the participation has kind of leveled off a little bit. But for sure, that strategy is is what helped us get to you know the twenty six, twenty seven thousand followers, whatever it is that we have now. Yeah, man, you got you got to make it. I, I think sneakers by themselves are even though there's a ton of work that goes into them, they're a material object that they're going to fade, they're going to fall apart. But the stuff people do in those sneakers, I think, creates that memories. I think to some extent, that's why I have so many good memories about those late age, early 90s sneakers, because that was a great time in my life. And these are the shoes I have me wearing while I was doing that, that great growing up stuff. You know what I mean? Playing sports and, and driving a car for the first time and, and that kind of thing. So then the sneakers definitely tie into that. Um, for you, man, what is the Reebok community like online? It's pretty close-knit. There's not as many accounts as there are for other kinds of sneakers. Um, what's it like? I'm assuming you're super well-respected in that community. Are there? Is it a really hard audience to please? Do they like kind of everything you post? Do you get a lot of hate online? Do you get a lot of love? What's it like? I would say that the, the Reebok community, whether it, I mean, online, when you're talking social media, Facebook, Instagram, the typical platforms for sneakers, I would say it's small. I would say it's small. And I mean, of course, you have a completely different community overseas, right? Reebok is enormous in Japan and like the Far East. And that's a completely different community, mostly due to to language barriers, right? But here in the U.S. and just like I would say English speaking countries, it's small. You know, I would say mostly and you see people pop up here and there that might be new or might. I've just started a social media page, but like everyone kind of knows everybody. It's so different from these other companies that you've mentioned, like the Yeezys and Dunks. I mean, that's popular culture. That's just popular culture. I mean, it's not even like a niche interest. Like I would say Reebok is from a collector's perspective. Reebok really 
is a niche. It's a very small niche in a huge world. Um, and, and it's a close knit community, right? Like, you know, I know there's a subset of guys who love questions. I know there's a subset of guys who love Insta Pump Furies. And there's a subset of guys who like, like the basketball pumps. And there's a whole nother subset that loves runners and a very small one that loves the club C. And if I need to know anything about one particular sneaker or the other, I know exactly who to go to. And mm -hmm. yeah, I would just say that like, it's a, it's a, it's a close knit community. It's a small community. And you know, we help each other out. Like, it's not like a cutthroat, like we don't need bots. <laughs> you know, I don't right, go, right. I don't have to buy a bot to get a new release. And you know, even on the aftermarket, you know, guys are always helping each other out. If there's a launch, like in Atlanta, if there's a launch and it's only launching there and it's not online, like I know someone who can go help out and they might buy a couple of pairs for anyone who needs them. It's, it's a really, really cool community. I love my Reebok people. And, and that's awesome, right? I'm happy to be a little I'm kind of on the periphery, but I, I, I love what you guys like you and DJ are doing out there and it's great. Oh, but here's a question for you. Why do you think Reebok is such a niche brand? Uh, Nike, Adidas, Yeezy, lines like that are, like you said, they become just not sneaker culture. They become pop culture. And yeah. us Reebok guys are kind of this, this very small little subset of the market. What do you think? And in the 90s, that was not the case, right? There was pump up, air out. They were going at Nike. And they were they were signing guys like Shaq and Sean Kemp and the biggest guys in the NBA. Um, what do you think happened to, to make Reebok kind of shrink to such a small part of the market? So I think to answer that question, you really have to look at the history of Reebok. And obviously it's a very long in-depth story that we don't have a lot of time for. But if you look at what's happened over the course of the past couple of decades, and you kind of touched on it a bit and we can start there, right? Like let's start like when, you know, Pump It Up was on top of the world and they had Shaq and, you know, they had Iverson and Camp and they had Emmett Smith for football and they had Michael Chang for tennis. I mean, they had a major superstar in every sport and they were everywhere, right? Like for a moment in time, actually, I won't even say, I think it was like a full decade. They were the official um, merchant, merchandiser provider for the NFL and for the NBA. You couldn't watch a football game on TV without every single player having a Reebok jersey on. And the same goes for NBA, right? Like they were absolutely everywhere. You know, they had 50 Cent. They had Jay-Z. They, I mean, Reebok, when you want to talk like early 2000s, mid 2000s, like really and honestly, like we're top tier competitor with these guys. But, you know, I think what happened is they lost their merchandising deal with the NBA and with the NFL. Iverson retired. Shaq actually left Reebok long before he retired. So they started losing their major endorsers and they started losing their market share. Right. Like if you don't have visibility to the consumer, if, if people aren't watching major athletes wear your brand, if I'm not seeing it on TV, I'm not seeing commercials, I'm not seeing anything. Then you, you're really losing your foothold in the market. And so, right. So that started to happen. And then eventually Adidas brought Reebok. And that is what really broke Reebok's back because what happened was 
Adidas bought their competitor. And if you buy a competitor, you're not going to continue to put that competitor on a pedestal, right? So like, again, my opinion, just my observations from what I watched as a consumer, as a fan, but, you know, Adidas bought Reebok and really put them in a corner because if a major superstar athlete wants, you know, goes and visits Adidas and wants to sign, who is Adidas going to put them under? They're not going to put them under Reebok. They're going to put them under Adidas, right? They're the mother brand. They're not going to put them with little brother. They're going to put them with Adidas, right? So really, like once that happened, Reebok, in terms of being this major, major corporation, like household name, and I still think it's a household name, but just not to the same degree, they started to shrink and shrink. And at least from... The, the portion of Reebok that I love, you know, we'll call them Reebok classics, you know, they really started to just focus on their heritage. They started to focus on previous models, really, instead of doing brand new models, because they don't even have athletes to, to, to wear their brand new models, right? And they started to focus on collaborations. And really, the collaborations was kind of what sucked me back into Reebok and really blew my like obsession with Reebok to the moon. But at, when, when, when that happened, Reebok was already a shell of itself as compared to what it was when we were growing. It's a new year. It's a new season of the Me and My Cousins podcast. I got some books coming out this year. Mike's got a girlfriend. It's Instagram official. I think Kenny got a new haircut. Big things in our family. Big things on the podcast. And we got a sick lineup of guests for 2021 for you guys. For music, we got DJ Fun Size. We got Rodney Cush from Garden State Hip Hop. We got Ramsey Said What from What's the Movement. We got the whole ITM click on one episode. From the world of comedy, we got Richard Dweck. We got Ziggy from The Roast Room. We got Sabrina Ayo. We got Carl Callen. And, of course, we have the recap of my roast battle with Matt Nesimeno from Comedy Fight Club. From the business world, we're bringing in everybody from Runner's High. We're bringing in the owner of Ghost Harbor Creative. And from the podcast world, we're having a reunion of everybody from the first appearance podcast. Me and my cousins, it's a podcast. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's really, it's a weird, the kind of perfect storm of, their biggest athletes were all retiring at about the same time, right? Or leaving mm-hmm. the brand in the mid 2000s. Uh, the Jay Z and 50 Cent deals, I'm assuming, expiring and those guys not making more sneakers after the mid 2000s. And then kind of being bought by Adidas, kind of being the nail in the coffin. It's kind of yep. just this weird, like a bunch of unfortunate things happened in a row. But what I always say whenever I get an email from Reebok or I see they're dropping something new, the quality of the product, I don't think is has fallen off that much. I think it's a marketing issue and a branding issue because almost everything they put, and I don't love everything they make now, but I would say if I get an email a week from Reebok, what they're doing, like at least twice a month, I think it's at least interesting. So I think design-wise and especially performance-wise and some of the CrossFit stuff they, they've done in the past, I think they're making good stuff. It's just it's, it doesn't have the same cachet in the marketplace as it did 25, 30 years ago. Well, you know what, Reebok, what they did is they tried to get back to their roots. Reebok as a brand, when you're talking about like the early 80s, mid 80s, really before like the pump blew up, they were a fitness brand, right? Yep. Like they were, the, they were the aerobics brand. They, you know, they had the aerobics freestyle, the 5411. Every girl in New York City had that shoe. I mean, that was the biggest shoe. That shoe 
put Reebok on the map in terms of like a sportswear brand. Fitness was their thing. Aerobics was their thing. Working out in the gym. And I think once they started to lose their foothold in professional sports, they tried to get back to their roots and back to fitness with the CrossFit and the UFC thing. And I don't know, personally, like that doesn't do anything for me, but I see where their strategy was in that moment. I see where, like, where they were trying to go in that moment. I just don't know that fitness footwear, fitness specific, gym specific footwear is really much of a big thing anymore. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't go to the gym like that, but I, I, I don't think that that is a category. Maybe it is. I, and I could be way off, but I think that that was for sure a Reebok strategy with the whole you know, CrossFit thing. Yeah, man, and that kind of that definitely kind of makes sense. That being said, what do you think is next for Reebok? It's up for sale. We hear about that every once in a while. There's people trying to buy it. The deals never seem to go through. Apparently, Adidas is is not interested anymore. What do you see Reebok doing next? So that's a good question. Um, from what I understand, Shaquille O'Neal and a group that he was working with. So by no means did Shaquille O'Neal buy it by himself, but just like, you know, major sports clubs are, are bought and sold with, a, you know, a, an investor group. Shaquille O'Neal is part of an investor group who purchased Reebok. As far as I know, the deal is done. And it's just a matter of time now before it, it changes hands. And so Adidas is, is I mean, they've wiped their hands clean. They, they got rid of Reebok. What that means for Reebok as a brand, it's really hard to say. I, I mean, I think that, I think that, I, look, I would love to think that Shaq's involvement with this investor group will lure new, fresh athletes to the brand, young, fresh, potential superstar athletes to the brand. But I think to do that, they're going to need a lot more than just, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, who at this point is, I don't know, how long, 15, 20 years retired, however long he's been retired from the game. So what do I think is next? I think that Reebok needs to reinvent themselves. I, I think that, that Reebok somehow needs to find a way to get back into professional sports if they're ever going to get back to where they were previous. If not, they're just going to remain a lifestyle brand that if you go into a Foot Locker, you may see four or five pairs of Reeboks on the shelf, if you're lucky, if you're even in the right Foot Locker. They've really, really got to focus on changing the perception of the brand in the generic public's eye, not the sneakerhead's eye. They don't need to change anything for sneakerheads because sneakerheads are going to buy sneakers regardless. They need to change the average person who, eh, not really into sneakers, but I saw this guy on TV wearing the shoe. It must be cool. Want to buy it. That's whose minds they need to change. Yeah, I agree, man. I think the other thing they got to do as as time goes on, they seem to be losing the younger market year by year. And what I mean by that is uh, about a year ago, I showed a picture of me and my daughter uh, riding to Reebok stuff to a kid I know that was about probably 20 years old. And he was this big sneaker kid. He was he all the, you know, reselling Jordans, Yeezys, the whole thing the young kids do. And I showed him the picture. I'm like, hey, man, you mess with Reebok at all? He started laughing. He's like, nah, man, I'm not an old head like you. And like, I'm not that old. I'm 40 something. But uh, that's like that's where Reebok is in that twenty-year-old age because they, they don't remember Shaq as a player. They don't. Re- they barely remember Iverson. You know what I mean? No, um, they don't remember. Iverson yeah, they they, they, they weren't. If you were born in two thousand, 
all of those guys, they're either you don't remember them at all. They're kind of like just like the old guys you see joking around in NBA tonight. So the 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 further Reebok gets away from those those stars that you said, they got to re, reinvigorate themselves and appeal to that that young sneakerhead that just kind of doesn't know what the brand was in the '90s. Um, yeah, let's have some no. fun, man. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sure. No, no, no. I was agreeing with you 100. percent I mean, to to your point, you know, my son, he's he's almost 13. From the day he was born, he exclusively wore nothing but Reebok. All I would buy him is Reebok. I mean, from from pumps to questions to insta-pump furies to classics to to ventilators. I mean, he has had more pairs of Reeboks than most men do their entire life. And just last year, you know, he came to me as a dad. Do not get me Reebok anymore. I don't want to wear Reebok anymore. It's not cool. My friends make fun of me. And it broke my heart. Oh, it broke man, my that's rough. Because I... <laughs> I'll, I'll give my, you my, my version of that story. What did he want instead of Reeboks? He, honestly, he asked me for Jordan 1s. Okay, okay. I'm going to give you a, a more heartbreaking story. You ready? My daughter's mm. six. I love her to death. She's the best. Uh, when she was little, she had a couple pairs of Reeboks, a couple pairs of Jordans. Had a pair of Air Force 1s. My, my boy gave her as a gift. Uh, and then we went in, the, in a footlocker the week in, I believe it was 2019, the week the black and, and red cement Jordan 4s came out, right? So they sell out immediately in men's sizes. I got to buy her new sneakers. They got the the, the wall pair, the, the uh, display pair was her size. I see them like, hey, you want these? And she's like, no. I'm like, what? <laughs> the whole world wants these sneakers. You don't want them? She's like, no. I want to go get Skechers. Oh, like, what? no. What? Wait, hold on. Oh, We're going to turn down the black and red bread cement fours to go buy sneakers that light up. She's like, yeah. And then we uh, went to Skechers and bought a pair of sneakers that light up. And that's what she rocks now. Cause she's got to be herself. But uh, yeah, man, it hurts when your kids are not into things the way, the way you were at all. So and I'm, sure. she, my daughter gets to be a teenager. It's probably going to be even worse. Uh, but dressing her was fun. We had a good time when she was little and it's just a thing of the past. Now that she's six. All right, man, that being said, what are your two questions? One, how big is your personal collection? How many pairs are we talking about? And give me your top five Reeboks of all time. So I would say like at its height, oh man, it's, it's so hard to put a number on it, but and I would say at its height, I probably had close to 300 pairs. However, with that being said, that is a result of me constantly having to move Paris out. Space has always been an issue for me. Like personally, I, I don't have like a, a garage or a storage space or one of these enormous basements that I can just fill from, you know, floor to ceiling. So, I mean, I have over the course of time, I mean, thousands of pairs of sneakers, minimum. Right, coming and going. Coming and going, and and I would say, like at any given time, probably three three hundred pair. I I don't think I've ever counted them, but if I had to put a number or on, around three hundred, yeah, probably around three hundred max. But again, like always coming and going, like and it's it's difficult because you know I have a very strong relationship with Reebok right and they send me stuff all the time so I'll just get I'll get things on my doorstep that I didn't even expect and I I wasn't planning to to store and as a result like old stuff has to go so it's it's honestly like it's an everyday revolving door gotcha cool Matthew I mean that's a good way to do it not even to get too old or 
or, you know, get, get old on the shelf there. Uh, what are your top five? Give me top five Reeboks. Either, if you got a list you thought about before, if it's off the top of your head, that's fine too. Give me the five. If you, if you had, you had to pick five pairs to wear for the rest of your life and you can't get a six pair, what five are we picking? My God. Never even thought of this. I'll give you my top five Reebok models. How, how cool, about that? That works. That works. Yep. I'm not, I'm not going to give a specific colorway. That's too difficult, but That's I fine. would say, I would say absolutely the OG pump, like the pump, the Dominic the Wilkins in the back. pump with the release, the release the in the back. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Like the, the original pump, that design is just flawless. Paul Litchfield ripped that. I mean, that, that shoe, I mean, I think at one point I had over 50 pairs of just that one particular shoe. Um, and complete game changer when it came out in 1989. Revolutionary yeah. in the sneaker world. Okay, so we got the OG Reebok Pump. What's number two? OG Reebok Pump, um, I, would, I would say the Workout Plus. Um, Great choice. The wor- okay. wor- Workout Plus, just timeless, classic throwing it back to like their aerobics roots. Like that was like the man version of the aerobic shoe. So many pairs of that shoe. Love that shoe. Um, no, I, I was a big fan of the way in the late 90s, early 2000s, it went from like you said, the male version of the 5411 to kind yeah. of to like the unofficial sneaker of cash money records. Um, when little Wayne and all them were young and they were wearing out with the white tees. Cause I had forgotten about the sneaker and they were, they were wearing them in the videos. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot Reebok made that sneaker. Cool. All right. Give us Absolutely. number three. Absolutely. You're spot on with the cat. That is, that is the cash money shoe. Um, number three, I would say Insta pump fury. I mean, okay. Okay. Just that shoe. I mean, there's, it's perfection. I mean, it's perfection. It's so comfortable. It's just Steve Smith. I mean, this guy, he designs for Yeezy now. I mean, this guy is an absolute genius. That shoe is incredible. Um, Man, I'm really lost. I'm four or five. I would say the the court victory, probably like the pump court that's victory. Amazing. Uh, that's an amazing. That that's my favorite pump of all time. Only because I'm I'm not I'm on the shorter side, and the high cut basketball pumps make me look like a midget if I wear them with shorts. But that court, <laughs> yeah. but the court victory one and two, I could pull off all year round and and look all right. Yeah, the court victory. It's so timeless, man. I mean, that that shoe. I have again so many versions of that shoe. Such a such a great shoe. Low cut pump. That freaking green green tennis that te- ball. That on, green on tennis tongue. ball one was special, man. I've had a bunch <laughs> of those over the years, but that original colorway. That is something else. All right, man. Real quick, any and you have any grails left? Do you have anything you want them to put back out that they haven't? Anything like you still got to get, or you had everything you want to have at this point? I have. Anything that was really like on my long list of like have to find this, need this, want this collaboration, gotta have it. Over the course of time, I've had them all. But really, nice. and honestly, like if there was one, I mean, I'm not gonna say the Chanel Insta Pump Fury because that shoe essentially doesn't exist. There's like five pairs in the world. It's really silly. They asked like ten grand for them. That's really silly. I'd say like if there was one. Um, Crooked Tongues did a version of the Pump 25 shoe back in, uh, what was it, 2019, I, I can't even remember, 2014, 2014, when they celebrated the 25th anniversary of the Pump, you know, they had, they were supposed to have 25 collaborations from all these shops all over the world, and there was a Crooked Tongues version of that shoe that never launched, 
and um, I've only seen pictures of the sample. So I would say like if there was one, that would be a, it was like a Boston Celtics colorway, like an ode to D Brown with very cool shoe. That would probably be it. Nice man. My, my my one that got away is a little more mainstream than, than that specific collabo you just said. Uh, but the the answer one. So the second Iverson ever came out, they came out in the black and the gold originally, mm-hmm. and then the white and the red one. I, I didn't get it when it came out in the late nineties, and then in the early two thousands it retroed, and I they were like forty bucks in the Atlantic City outlet, right? But I had not yep. a great night in a casino the night before. And I was like, ah, I don't need to spend <laughs> this money now. And I didn't get them. And they never put them out again. I never know to get them. But that's one. If any of Reebok is listening to this, if you drop those in that black and gold colorway, I, you know, let me know they're coming out. I'll pay full price. But let's make that happen because I need to get those. That's a one pair of Iversons I'd really like to have in the collection. I messed up 15 years ago with my bad. And I'd like to get that one again. Um, that being said, man, I really appreciate your time. What do you want to leave us with before we start wrapping up the show tonight? You know, I mean, if anything, I would just, you know, for anyone listening, I'd like to, you know, give a huge shout out to, to anyone who's ever contributed to, to TR 1895, Team Reebok in 1895 over the years. Uh, the OG 16 members um, from when we really started standing it up. Um, you know, definitely DJ Senator for sure. I know he's already been on the show, so I'll give him a huge shout out. Me and him have been in this Reebok game for, for a long time. One of the first people that I've ever met that was into Reebok as much as I, I was, so, or I am. So, you know, anyone who follows Team Reebok in 1995 on Instagram or anywhere, I love the support. I love everyone. You know, keep your love for Reebok high. They need it all. They need us all support them as much as you possibly can and um that's pretty much it man uh i really appreciate you having me on and um that's it i'm out i guess hey man i want to give a big big thank you to jake montana to get some time out of his boktober to come and celebrate boktober with the me and my cousins podcast we'll get mike and kenny back on the show soon and that's going to wrap it up for the me and my cousins it's a podcast happy boktober If you're not listening to the Me and My Cousins podcast, do you even listen to podcasts? Every other podcast is soft like a Twinkie filling compared to Me and My Cousins. Already on season two, we've had a recap of my epic roast battle at Ghost Harbor Creative with Sean McDonough. We've had the founders of NJ Spots. We've had Tadpole Chipper. We broke down the Dark Knight trilogy. We had the guys from Telegraph Hill Records. We had Chris Rockwell, poet, open mic host, rapper, writer, comedian Chris Rockwell. We've had both of the two fit crazies. We've had John Beecroft and Joe Weber from Comics, Cartoons, and Craft Beer. We've had touring comic and ultra marathoner Dan Lamore. We've had authors like Tim Lowe and Steve Poston. And we've had Asbury Park's best photographer, Jeff Cresty. If you don't listen to me and my cousins, what are you doing?